Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mass Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. Phoenix Suns, what happened? The Mavericks beat the Phoenix Suns 130 to 111 in what some would denote, and I think what I would probably call the best win of the season. The bipolar Mavericks persist, and we continue to podcast in terms of classifying every single game as either the worst or best win of the season. <laughs> so uh, nonetheless, we'll be getting all into it. The Mavericks had a you know great all-around defensive effort in the first half. Luka had an amazing shooting game. Um, Josh Green with one of his best games of the season. The narrative continues to really push in terms of how high-level of a role player this guy could become for the Mavericks one day. Um, just a really good, like all around game. Yes. You know, Devin Booker had a negative regression shooting game. The Suns were on a second out of a back-to-back. You can kind of pull out all the excuses in the book. Obviously the Suns were injury hampered, you know, Chris Paul, uh, missing his 14th game straight. He's hoping to come back soon. He was a game time decision, but did not play Cam Johnson still out with that meniscus tear. Um, you know, obviously there were a lot of things in the Mavericks favor to win this game, you know, being more rested, of course. But nonetheless, um, this was definitely that sort of end-to-end win that the Mavericks have not had since that Grizzlies game. And in that Grizzlies game, of course, you know, they were hampered on, um, on injuries. And it was a second night of a back-to-back for them as well, the second uh, game of the season, the home opener. Um, but, you know, this for some reason, this one just felt a little more impressive just because of how raging hot this Suns team has been, you know, having the first um, – you know, the leading record in the Western Conference, 16-7 uh, going into this game now, 16-8. and eight. Um, They've really withstood a lot of things that I think in the preseason and at the beginning of the regular season when some of these things start happening in terms of the Sarver situation, in terms of the whole weird optics around DeAndre Ayton and coming back to Phoenix after signing the offer sheet with Indiana and, you know, just the injuries that they've dealt with. You know, this is not a team we would have expected to be with it where they are at right now. Um, but nonetheless, like, I think that's what makes this win, you know, so impressive. I'm not, you know, I'm calling this the most impressive win of the season, you know, knowing the prerequisites behind the sort of limitations that the Suns have. Um, but nonetheless, like, the Mavericks haven't really had a lot of really good wins this season. You know, the Mavericks have been – and a lot of close games. So for them to play end to end, even with all the prerequisites that, you know, I talked about regarding the Suns and terms of how they were hampered, of course, um, this seemed like probably the best end to end win of the season. And unfortunately I didn't go to the game, but the better <laughs> half of the podcast, Mr. Jaron was in attendance for the game. I was. And he has some very cool anecdotes that he's going to lead with. As soon as we get done with this ad break, it's going to be a great podcast. We're excited to get into it. But before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor, Anchor. All right, Jaron. So before we actually get into the game, I know that you have some really cool personal anecdotes that you were able to get from being at tonight's game. Um, What did you want to tell the mainstream listeners 
um, from your experience at this game tonight? Yeah, so it was a uh, a birthday game for my brother. So it was pretty, you know, it was a good game going into Phoenix Suns on a Monday night, primetime TV. Uh, well, anyways, we get invited down uh, for like one of the little game show things that you get to do in the middle of the game. Uh, I got to do one of those. And so in the process, we went down. We got to like go inside the practice arena that's under the stadium. Um, and in doing so, none other than Dirk Nowitzki was there. Uh, we got to meet him, like shook his hand. And I'm not going to lie, like I didn't say many words because I was pretty starstruck. I just was at a loss of words. Uh, and then we're walking out of the the uh, the little court and I look up and I see Tim Cato. Got to speak to him for a little bit. Uh, just said like basically what he means and everything like that. And then uh, going up to it, you know, I think it was in the uh, second quarter. My brother got to shoot some free throws and everything like that on the court. Um, but yeah, it was like, I got to meet Dirk, uh, Tim Cato. It was a pretty crazy game. Uh, and then of course, you know, the Mavs winning it all had to top it off, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I would not have pictured meeting Dirk Nowitzki, uh, on a random Monday night on in fucking December. So. Yeah, no, um, it was definitely a sort of grandiose, ex um, experience that you seem to have had to say the least, I'm, I'm definitely envious of you a little bit, but I'm very happy. And at, at the end of the day, it breeds a great um, anecdotes and stories for our podcast. So what more can you ask? Exactly. Us? It does. Um, but getting into the actual game, of course, guys, I'm sorry if for whatever reason you did not like listening to Jaren's anecdotes. Um, you, that's your problem. You could have just skipped through that if you so pleased. Um, but getting into the actual game, of course, um, the Mavericks coming out of the gates, really, you know, you could, it was really a sort of tell all in that first quarter, how crisp their defensive rotations were. Um, the Mavericks, you know, always seemingly had that second, you know, even third wave of, you know, rotations. If they, uh, they got a beat on a possession, um, the help defense, um, would, come very quickly they were able to collapse on you know Devin Booker who's essentially the only isolation score for the Suns yes yeah. without Chris Paul playing and the Mavericks were just flying around the court uh you know at a moment's notice um guys were really in sync with each other I thought um just in terms of you know switching when necessary or you know staying on a guy um, running through screens, all that sort of stuff. The Mavericks were just completely in sync and were able to limit the, the Suns to 15 points in that first quarter. Now, obviously, you can attribute to some of that to the Suns being on the second night of the back-to-back, -back, but what did you take um, from that first quarter just in terms of the Mavericks' defensive intensity that they were able to apply to the Suns? Something I really feel like, you know, this sort of – the way the Mavericks were able to rotate and close out on shooters and, you know – continually persist to bring that second and third wave of help defense and you know versus times this season where on a lot of those possessions we would have seen them get beat by that point already yeah. or you know they would have gave up a perimeter shot where they just weren't able to close out fast enough or um you know give up a an attempt at the rim you know do you feel as if this sort of defense the Mavericks were playing was more reminiscent towards the latter half of last season 
And where do you think this came from? Um, since we really haven't seen anything like this um, th so far this season. Yeah, you know, I think the Mavericks from really the start of the game, uh, you know, I think Aiden got a few quick buckets uh, early on in the, the game. Um, but, you know, as the first quarter sort of progressed on, the Mavericks made it a real good point to pretty much as soon as whoever was bringing up the ball, whether it was Cameron Payne or Devin Booker, um, as soon as they pretty much got within the three-point line, uh, they were pretty much corralling at the ball. And then whenever uh, it was like this sort of give-and-go situation where – quite a, I mean, I hate to interrupt you, but they, they did a really good job, I thought, of doubling Booker at the point of attack. No, they did. They did. They, yeah. you know, there, there were a few times, you know, they'd bring the double early, but Booker's not, you know, Luca-esque in his ability to well, make cross you know, passes and control the flow of the game within a four-on-three. So I thought the Mavericks timed up their doubles on him really good. Yeah, we know Devin Booker doesn't like uh, double teams after his pickup video. Uh, his pickup runs, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I mean, the Mavericks did a really good job of picking up, you know, whoever it was, Cameron Payne or Devin Booker, at the the top of the key and basically forcing the scramble offense through the um, Suns. And uh, this was more so in the middle and in towards the first quarter. Uh, and to the Mavericks' credit, you know, we we oftentimes see in these like sort of scramble scenarios where there's a, just a wide open guy in the corner who's able to make a three. And the Mavericks did a really good job of closing out on shooters tonight, um, really throughout the whole entire game for that matter. But I think it really started up in that first first quarter. Um, but yeah, you know, I know I saw at times uh, through these uh, these rotations, um, we saw Dorian, we saw Tim, uh, Luca at times, um, and of course Dwight uh, hanging up on. Um, on Aiton at times inside the paint. And uh, the the Mavericks did a really good job of ball denial on Aiton uh, after that first quarter, I would say. Yeah, no, 100%. I think that the one sort of weak spot or cog that the Suns were able to kind of fill there um, was the fact that they were doing a good job of diagnosing Aiton mismatches and finding him in the dunker spots. It seemed like they were really targeting mismatches with him especially when the Mavericks defense got so mangled because, you know, this was one of the more switch-heavy games I think the Mavericks yeah. uh, they They were not staying home in particular areas. You know, guys were switching on whoever regardless. And, you know, while that does lead to better rotations and, you know, foot speed in terms of being able to stay in front of guys, you know, that can lead to some adverse mismatches. And as good as Aiton's been playing and start the season, you know, really inserting himself into that upper echelon of centers in the league, I'm not – you know, calling him Jokic or Embiid or anything like that. But, I mean, he's he's playing at another level right now, something you really yeah. haven't seen from him at this stage in his career up to this point. And, you know, yes, he was able to get some, you know, post hooks, and um, there were a few times where it was just easy dump-offs to him in the dunker spot. But, you know, for the most part, I think the Mavericks almost kind of schemed for that to happen to an extent, um, you know, basically saying, hey – you know, we're going to run you guys off the three-point line. Yeah. I'm not going to let Booker demolish us in terms of his isolation scoring and let that open other, let that open up other things for us or for you guys. You know, if DeAndre Ayton, you know, makes 10 dunks in this game and, you know, that's the only sort of resultant of the Suns' offense in the half court. And outside of that, they, you know, are essentially kind of watered down and, you know, by the Mavericks' perimeter defensive intensity, then, hey, so be it. And I think that that definitely 
played to the Mavericks benefit at, especially during the first half, you know, the Suns were able to start making some shots in the second half based off of, you know, I thought a lot of the time, just second chance points, the Mavericks did have a lot more issues rebounding in that second half where, you know, the Suns would get into a sort of scramble scenario and be able to make a three off of a second chance point um, just because the Mavericks couldn't get their defense set. Um, but in that first half, the Mavericks, I thought, did a really good job of forcing the issue at the point of attack for the Suns. Um, in terms of the Mavericks' offense in the first, uh, Luca really made it a point to, um, you know, settle into those step-back threes. It wasn't one of his more you know, heavy attack games. Yeah. Went 12 for 20. You know, of course, got the rest at the end, only played 29 minutes, which was huge. Um, what did you see in terms of he, how he was able to manipulate the Suns' defense in that first quarter? I I will say as much that in that first quarter, I feel like he attacked more so than any other quarter in the game. He did. And, you know, whether it was Mikel Bridges, you know, who's an all-world defender, he was getting guys on his hip, and he was able to, you know, manipulate that pick and roll and probe until he can find the pass in the corner. You know, these are things that he's always doing. Um, but how do you think that he was able to do so, uh, to do it so effectively in that first quarter? Yeah, so, you know, the, the Mavericks, uh, I mean, they made it a pretty big key point to pretty much get these high pick and rolls at whatever cost. Um, we saw it at times with Dwight, um, and whenever Christian Wood would check into the game, we saw it oftentimes with him, uh, and especially Maxi. Um, but more so in that first quarter, like you mentioned, you know, we saw more Luka drives. Uh, and it was, like I mentioned, off these high high pick and rolls at the top of the key um, where pretty much Luka just has a wide open lane. Uh, we would see him take it off the hip. And like you mentioned, you know, we see defenders on his hip. And at that point, you're pretty much beat whenever it comes to Luka standards. And we'd see him take advantage of that. I know at times, uh, I mean, this was just throughout the game, whenever Damien Lee would get on him, he would pretty much just play bully ball. Um, I have multiple videos. Yeah, and other that. times in that second quarter where, he did really good in the post. And yeah. you know, I thought in this game, particularly, I mean, I thought that the Suns, you know, having been there, done that for seven games, they seemed exactly. like they yeah. knew a, they kind of had it diagnosed in terms of being able to collapse on him in the paint. Um, but he was able to just sort of play that probe game, use the role, the role man as a decoy until he could, you know, kick it out to the corner or, you know, back out to the top of the key. And I think that's honestly what – was really coming to the Mavericks' benefit in this game. Yeah, no, for sure. You know, the Ma the Suns, for that matter, uh, I know throughout that seven-game series as a whole, like, they, they're pretty much, let's let Luka beat us and not the rest of the team. Well, tonight, Luka found a way to, uh, I mean, really after that first quarter, found a way to pretty much make it a three-on-one situation where all you have to do is kick out to a corner for a three, and that's really what happened. We saw Luka, in particular, get really good penetration inside, and pretty much just kick out for a corner three or um, an outside of the uh, top of the key three uh, for Dorian, for instance, um, in which guys would make it off the time. You know, yeah, we well, didn't see Tim Hardaway Jr. guy went five. Yeah, Tim. Yeah. I, I mean, Tim Spencer. Shooting, yeah. yeah uh, I mean, we didn't see the insane 61 threes that were put up in New York, uh, but the Mavs put an insane 49 percent from three, basically uh, on 20 of 41 and largely of that was from Luka Doncic just penetrating inside and getting these easy kickout scenarios where already three uh three Suns defenders were pretty much just caught on Luka inside 
no, 100%. And I mean, you know, it was one of the more like effortless 33 performances I've seen. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it just everything. This was one of those games that Luca just really wasn't laboring a lot. Like everything seemed like it was coming really easy to them. And, you know, the more of those that you get, you definitely take. Obviously, at this point, I think we have to talk about Josh Green. He yeah. you know, comes into the game in that first quarter. You know, it's typical. Well, he always scores eight points, um, you know, made that corner three. Uh, they were – I think he had one sort of blow-by scenario where he got – I can't remember. I think it was Damian Lee. He basically got hit, and then he just turned around. They called a block, and it may have been Ish Wainwright. Yeah, I think it was this way. Right? Made, a, made a free throw, uh, then, you know, made a fast break layup. What were you seeing him just from an offensive perspective in that first half? I mean, and there's obviously I think my favorite play that I had from it that um, he had tonight was when, you know, Landry Shamit was merely just bringing the ball up the court. And Josh Green picking him up 94 feet, steals the ball, easy dunk. Um, Out of the timeout. Sun's timeout. Yeah, Exactly. Um, what are the things that he's bringing offensively to the table that I guess, A, we didn't see last year, and B, that you may not have expected him to do in terms of how far his progression has came off offensively? This fast? Yeah, you, you know, I, I guess, like, I'm going to kind of veer away just a little bit here. Uh, one thing that, I, like, rotationally was interesting to me was – uh, Josh was a solo check-in in that first quarter. I don't feel like we've seen that a whole lot. We oftentimes, oftentimes see him checked in with either Christian Wood or Maxi. Uh, but tonight it seemed like it was just a solo Josh Green check-in. Uh, I want to say in that seven minute, six minute mark. Um, but yeah, you know, to get back to your question, uh, I mean, Josh, you know, last year we saw at times where he was able to get inside the paint and his, his thing differently now is he's going up, like he is going to the basket with intensity and with a purpose. He's not one-sided in the fact that he's looking to pass out of these situations. We still see that every now and then we saw it at times this game, I feel like, um, but still, you know, Josh green is still able to really just will his way inside the paint and get these, like some of these crazy uh, just acrobatic layups up in the hoop. And I know we see, like I mentioned at times, you know, we still see, uh, at times where he's driving inside the hoop and, you know, he goes with the intention to pass, but he's still getting these crazy passes that are to corner threes that are oftentimes made. Um, I, I think that it was pretty, I think that this was uh, like pretty cool. The one assist he had tonight, or no, not one assist, um, the five assists. Wow. I didn't realize he had five assists. Um, I feel like we're all like these just corner driving inside corner three pop outs uh, that he would do. And, I think all five, because uh, I, I want to say it only happened like five times, and I want to say everybody made a shot on those five attempts. Um, there was one where he had like a no-look pass in the in the middle of the floor to uh, Dinwiddie, I believe, in the corner for three. Um, but, I mean, yeah, nonetheless, like – Is it is it the Josh Green effect, no longer the Luca effect? <laughs> I wouldn't obviously go that far. But uh, he has a, a way of – I don't know if there's anybody in the NBA that uses their athleticism yeah, um, to that sort of, I wouldn't say extent, but in that sort of way that he does to, to make passes, right? 
I mean, you know, you have your Giannis's and, you know, your, your LeBron's of the world who are otherworldly athletes that, of course, like, um, you know, are, can go a million miles an hour and find a way to pass out of it. But the way Josh Green, like, ju- he, you know, he does these jump passes and contorts his body to, you know, deliver these on-target uh, corner passes um, for three-point shooters, you know, is really, like, unhinged. It's not something that we have – seen at large scale from a lot of guys in this league um like I, I went on you know on twitter and just asked like you know who else is doing this kind of thing and i mean some of the passes that he were making it were insane i mean the craziest part is, is he's doing this and you know making these passes in a role where he's not even really a primary or even secondary ball handler he's doing this you know off of a catch you know off yeah. of a play show or a curl um or, a, you know, coming off a curl and just running as fast as he can on the move, making passes. Like, these are, they're, you know, these are on the fly and tangible decisions. None of this is set up. That's what's so impressive about it to me. Um, yeah, and I think, aspect of it. yeah, no, and I think, I mean, to only add to that, you know, defensively, I feel like I had this conversation tonight. I feel like he is now probably the best guy on this Mavericks roster that just, is is good at just getting their hands in whatever possession possible um, defensively. Uh, he finds some sort of way to just disrupt, uh, whether it's a DeAndre Ayton post-up or um, it, anybody for that, Devin Booker. I mean, like, we, we just see him oftentimes sort of – he's the help defender in these situations, and he's the guy to either pry the ball out or create some dud situation – where you're in a scramble offensive situation and it turns into a really bad corner three taken at the end of the shot clock. Like he's the, the main prohibitor of that. And I think, you know, not only offensively is he taking huge leaps, but defensively as well. No, hundred percent. I mean, we've talked glowingly about him, you know, every game since the season started, he, you know, he's continued to have an amazing season. And I think that was even further amplified here, um, especially, you know, in those non-Luka minutes, he's not really looked to, to, you know, they don't defer to him on offense, like really whatsoever. So it was really uh, quite the revelation to see how he played, particularly with Luca. They had some actions where they, you know, he would set screens for Luca. Um, just a lot of like positive vibes going on there. Yeah. In terms of Josh Green's play. Um, you know, like let's shine the spotlight on Tim Hardaway Jr. as well. Uh, yet another good shooting game for him. Six for 12 from the field, five for nine from three. I mean, he actually did halfway decent in terms of playing as a team defender. He, I thought he was pretty crisp on his rotations, you know. Of course, he's still going to beat, of course. He may not be able to put up the best contest, but I thought he did fairly well, um, you know, working within the Mavericks scheme as a team defender. Um, what did you have to think of how he played? Yeah, so I know defensively, like, uh, it, it wasn't noticeable, and I think that's a positive for Tim Hardaway. Um, I know there was at one point where Devin Booker pretty much got a switch and Tim Hardaway was on him and he called for an ISO uh, and Devin Booker went to work on his ISO offense and Tim Hardaway had a really good recovery situation where he pretty much got a hand in his face on those mid-range jumpers and then thus Devin Booker missed. Um, And yeah, I mean, like, I think as long as Tim Hardaway, you don't really just notice him defensively, I think that's a positive for Tim. Uh, now, offensively, I think this was much more of a human game. 
where you're still shooting at an insane clip, but it's 17 points, not 28 points. Uh, and I think this is more indicative of what we're going to see from Tim Hardaway, knock on wood, throughout the season. Um, but yeah, you know, I think offensively, like he's found a way to be um, at times the the possession seems to be at loss and, you know, it's just kind of thrown in his hands and he just does what he does and just jacks up a three-pointer. Um, and at times, you know, it's of course going to be, oh my God, like what is he shooting? And then at other times you feel confident with it in his hands. Um, he's also found a way, I think, I don't feel like we've really like talked about this a lot, but he's found a way to be in the right place at the right time, whether it's a corner three um, right next to Luca for, again, those little dump off, into the shot clock situations. Um, I, I just think, you know, offensively, like he's, he's much more active moving towards, uh, you know, just getting the ball in a, in a corner or a wide open corner, whatever it may be. I think he's found a way to be in the right spots at the right times. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously he's, um, he doesn't have a sort of insane diversification to his offense, but yeah, he's doing what he's supposed to do really well. And that's something that we didn't see at the start of the season from him. And it's really nice to, you know, uh, especially a game like this where he's not just red hot, you know, just it seemed like a sort of, you know, steady measuring stick of what we should be getting from him. Not to say that we were going to get this level of consistency from him, um, but it was nice to see, you know, what that looks like, essentially. Like, what does Tim Hardaway look like when he's not just dropping in every single three that comes his way, right? So that was really cool to see, um, of course. Um Next up, what did you think of Christian Woods' game? You know, he did score some garbage time points, especially in that fourth quarter. Um, it seemed like Aiden did a good job of a good job of dropping and not letting him, you know, really affect the rim and the, the times that they played against each other, like particularly in those Luca pick and roll scenarios. It seemed like Wood um wasn't really able to furbish anything at the rim, but he did a fairly decent job attacking mismatches when he got a chance in terms of post-ups. Mason three tonight had a pretty good shooting game. How did he, how did you think, what, how did you think he fared off the bench tonight? Yeah, I think this was definitely one of Christian Wood's better games in 27 minutes. He had 18 points, like you said, uh, in 50% shooting. And that includes the three point shooting. Um, I felt like this was a much more of a game where, you know, oftentimes whenever Christian Wood, doesn't have something going his way, we kind of see his whole offense shut down. I think that Chris Wood did a really good job tonight of finding different ways to score. Uh, oftentimes, whenever it was an inside sort of score, it was, you know, a turnaround jumper or a turnaround little hook um, that he was able to find and go in. Uh, I know at times, you know, whenever he was going to the hoop, uh, he didn't really go to the hoop with intensity and oftentimes was just pretty much thrown away and he would oftentimes miss the shot off the back iron or something like that. But Christian Wood did a really good job tonight of just finding different ways to score whenever something that he's become accustomed to throughout the season, which is inside scoring, uh, wasn't really working. And to Aiden's credit, I mean, I feel like he did a really good job inside defensively whenever he was on the floor. Uh, but it seems like as soon as Biombo and as soon as Sarge has pretty much checked in, uh, Christian Wood was able to just pretty much go to work however he chose to. Um, but I, I think – uh, I guess this is more of a fan moment, but I, I had like seats that were pretty eye level with the rim and that little sidestep three that he had um, in the corner. I think that was like much more of a eye opening moment to what this guy can be. Cause it was sort of just like a rainbow jack up shot and it swished. And I was like, wow. Um, 
sorry, I just had to get that in there. But yeah, I think, you know, really Christian Wood just found a way to get it done tonight. And I, I props to him. I mean, cause we've seen in Brooklyn, uh, I guess really Brooklyn for that matter, even uh, where was it where he had like four points? Um, was the, I don't think it was the Milwaukee game. What was it? I think it was the Nets. Yeah, I think, well, I know the Nets games, oh, Warriors game, that's what it was, uh, where he's just sort of like shut down on one dimension of his offensive game and he's able to find a different way. Tonight he was able to find a different way, and I, I, I give that props to him. Yeah, and I mean, I really want to highlight his defense in this game. I thought that this was, especially in that first half, probably the best defensive game he's played as a Maverick. Um, particularly, he was just bringing really good help side defense, you know, keeping his arms straight up, challenging shots with verticality, not over fouling, not being lazy. Like, I mean, he had a couple blocks, um, you know, even if he was giving up some rebounds and what have you, he did a really good job recovering. Um, this, you know, obviously something that we haven't seen from him up until this point in the season. Do you think that this goes to show some sort of increased comfortability with the, you know, Mavericks scheme uh, defensively? Or do you think this was some sort of just kind of one-off thing? No, I think I think this is definitely like him getting more comfortable with the scheme. Uh, I don't feel like we saw very many minutes of him defensively at least being matched up against Aiden, but whenever it was, you know, Aiden after the first quarter was only limited to, I think, five points all game. Um, and so in that doing so, you know, you automatically, like Chris Wood made his rotations really crisp. And then whenever Sarich and uh, Biombo were in the game for that matter, I know Sarich got some pretty good offensive nifty baskets here and there. Uh, I mean, he only had three points, but he had one uh, nifty basket, I should say. Yeah, uh, um, yeah Sarich did have that good uh, little sort of like post hook. Yeah. Josh Green and we're almost kind of look like he stiffed armed him, but that's besides the point. Yeah. <laughs> um he honestly kind of looked like ever since he had the injury in the finals, he there are times where it's like, oh, this guy's an NBA player. <laughs> yeah, no, I yeah, I completely understand. He played sparingly tonight. Um, but yeah, you know, back to the point. Uh I felt like Christian Wood did a really good job on those two guys, Biombo and Sarch, that being of just getting good ball denial and also just keeping those guys out of the paint. Now, whenever it was a rebound scenario, that's a different topic. Um, I guess that's probably something we can transition into. But, um, yeah, you know, I, I I really liked what I saw from Christian Wood defensively tonight, uh, even offensively for that matter. No, yeah, 100%. And, you know, to point to the rebound situation that you were talking about, obviously the Mavericks struggle mightily, particularly in that second half with uh, the rebounds. You know, they seem kind of even keel with the Suns in that first half. But, I mean, even in two big lineups, you know, with Maxi and Wood, of course Maxie's not, you know, one of some sort of insane rebounder. But you'd think at least in a two-big lineup, even if it was just Aiden or I think at times kind of just Biombo is alone big, uh, the Mavericks got severely out-rebounded. You know, I don't want to harp on too many negatives in such a positive game, but it is something worth talking about. Um, the fact that this team, it almost just seems effort-based sometimes, guys not boxing out, not going up. Uh, not really trying to go grab the ball, just, you know, basically waiting for it to come to them. You know, a guy like Josh Green is one of the only guys on the roster that really just yeah. attacks the ball relentlessly. Um, and do you, do you think that this is a personnel problem or do you think this is just an effort problem for the Mavericks? I mean, there's takeaways from both. I think, you know, Josh Green's definitely an effort part of it. Uh, and that's like an effort in actually doing it. Um, and then, you know, Christian Wood, I think he's a, a solid guy that can go up there and grab boards, but is he big enough to compete with the Biombos and boxing them out? Uh, I mean, there's an argument to be made there. Um, I, I would point and probably lean more towards the 
the uh, personnel issues. I think had JaVel McGee been the guy we thought he would be, um, maybe this wouldn't be as big of as a problem. And surprisingly enough, the Mavericks actually tied the Suns tonight in offensive or in uh, rebounds for that matter uh, at 41 a hole. But I think largely those came uh, pretty much ballooned because of that first half. Um, but yeah, you know, as that fourth quarter, as those third quarters kind of went on, we saw it. And I, I, I pretty much called this whenever Biamba checked in this because Josh Green had started getting going on the, on the uh, boards and they pretty much threw Biombo right in there as soon as that happened. Um, that was purely to get boards. Um, and yeah, you know, I think that, you know, the Mavericks have a fault here because really, you know, you look at it and there's only one effort rebounder on this team, like you mentioned earlier, that's Josh Green. Uh, I well, think I mean, that, Dorian when he like really is. Yeah, yeah, Dorian whenever he like wants to play pretty much. Um, and I mean, to Dorian, he barely played tonight or in his standards, he barely played tonight. Uh, he had 23 minutes. Um, but yeah, you know, I think just in terms of effort rebounds, uh, of course, I think Dwight Powell in the first quarter, I'll give him props. I think he did really good on the boards tonight. Uh, just able to keep possessions alive and also being able to corral some boards here and there. Um, I think I felt like he did really good. And then Maxi, I think he did pretty solid in his time given. I think there's, you know, really Maxi and Christian Wood for that matter. If you want to point the finger anywhere towards those second half rebounding numbers, it'd probably be those two. Um, but not to take anything away, you know, I think those two both had really good games. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that was just the one hole that was really exploited throughout this game. Uh, on the Mavericks and really it's a hole that has been exploited the whole season for that matter no yeah 100 uh, percent next up I kind of just want to get into the um, Mavericks ability to maintain a lead and you know not succumb to their um, sort of misfortunes or I mean, really really their own doing in terms of yeah the fact that they keep playing these clutch time games um, what do you th- you know because the Suns did have game um quarters you know after that first quarter where they definitely picked up the scoring intensity shots started to drop you know those rebounds really need to get second chance points like i pointed out earlier um i mean booker didn't really have a particularly good game of course he made a few shots in that second half um but what what were you like i guess were you surprised by the mavericks ability to keep the map uh to keep the suns from making another run uh do you think that this was more I guess, indicative of the Mavericks defensive intensity as the game carried on or rather their offensive prowess. Like where, where do you think it sort of lies? Cause the Suns did end up scoring 111 points at the end of the day. Yeah, no, I, you know, I definitely being a fan of the Mavericks and having PTSD of the past two months. Uh, I won't lie. I didn't expect this lead to hold after halftime. Um, but you know, you really look on paper, not paper. You really look at this game and like the Mavericks, in their credit, they did a really good job at holding this lead. This would be typically, and we saw in the first game of the season versus the Suns, this would typically be a game where the Mavericks just find themselves losing effort or a lack of effort in that second half, uh, wouldn't come out with intensity, you know, maybe wouldn't play some guys here and there. Just guys would be lollygagging to the ball or, you know, just jack up some stupid shots here and there. Um, this is one where the Mavericks, especially the starters, you know, whenever they're out on the court, they, they really – didn't I guess release uh their foot on the throttle they they went full throttle the whole entire game and to their credit uh I I want to say uh they got back up to like 23 and then they pretty much checked the bench unit back in um for that fourth quarter and even to the bench units matter I think I think at that point the Suns had pretty much known that they had been beaten 
but I think that this is I, I hope this is a turning point for the Mavs because this is really the first lead that I feel like the Mavericks have hold against a like kind of a full power team. You know, this is a team that of course has been super hot as of lately. Um, and I want to say they had like the number one offense or number two offense in the Western conference going into this. Um, and I think minus some garbage time points, I think that's really why they have 111 points, but, uh, I feel like the Mavericks did really good at just, you know, keeping the intensity up on offense and keeping the intensity really well on defense throughout the game. No. Yeah. hundred percent. It was in my opinion, probably the best end to end win. Like I mentioned earlier at the top of the podcast for the Mavericks in this one, um, even guys that weren't making a huge offensive impact in terms of Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith, you know, these are guys, particularly Bullock, that, you know, we went at nauseum and we've talked at length about how much of, you know, a non-contributor he has been on offense and the sort of, you know, shooting woes and if it's how long it's going to persist, is it going to regress back to the mean as it does every year. Um, but, you know, I thought him and Dorian, I just want to highlight them because, I mean, I thought both of those guys played, you know, stellar defense in terms of their ability to rotate and recover um, within the Mavericks defensive scheme tonight. And they were just moving, you know, moving really fast, getting after it. I, I thought that that was huge, um, particularly to, you know, with them and coupled with Josh, like that was actually leading to some transition opportunities for the Mavericks at some points when they were, you know, getting some steals. I just really thought that the defensive pressure at the point of attack was uh, amplified between those two and um, Josh to to a, to an extent that we don't see in most games. No, without a doubt. You know, I think Dorian uh, and Reggie, for that matter, did, like you mentioned, really good job. And they were really the initiators um, at sort of this sort of scramble defense, as I would call it. Um, they were the guys to pick up or to really just close out on these three-point shooters. Um, and, you know, for Reggie Bullock, he picked up a lot of guys at full court. Um, and I kind of just jokingly said this, you know, we need a pest on this team. You know, you have Cameron Payne for the Suns. Uh, I feel like he's sort of a pest defender, stuff like, you know, guys like that. Um, and not saying Reggie's going to ever become that, but that's sort of like the stuff that you need on intensity defense is sort of like picking these guys up full court, um, making it hard for them to get up. And, you know, by then, by the time they get up, they might be a little gassed. Uh, it's just the little things that Reggie did right tonight. Um, and I think it definitely translated into team defense. And that's, I, I think it oftentimes whenever it was this bench unit, cause Reggie, we haven't seen Reggie with a whole lot of starting um, units because he's now like, kind of like the, the second unit checked in. Um, but yeah, you know, to Reggie's credit, I feel like he defensively really was the guy to initiate it. No. Yeah. You're completely right. I mean, this was one of his better defensive games because we've seen many times this year where when the shot's not falling, it, you know, tends to lead to some non-effort, a lot of getting beat on single dribble moves on defense. But, you know, Reggie was able to sort of remediate that in this game and actually play a good defensive game despite the shots not falling, which is, um, I mean, I'm happy for him and obviously for this team because, um, you know, when you're already a one-dimensional three and D player in terms of being, you know, that's really all you have to your skill set. You know, you can't, you know, be even more so one-dimensional and only pick one of the three and D to sort of reciprocate. So I'm really glad that he was able to really come through in this game. I think that that's definitely um, a positive, um, you know, just looking across a, 
about how everybody else in the Mavericks roster played. What do you think of Dinwiddie's night tonight? You know, he seemed a little bit preemptive and he wasn't able to sort of time his layups and floaters correctly. And it led to him getting blocked by Aiton twice, uh, Biombo once, I believe. It seemed like Spencer was kind of just all over the place in terms of um, getting to the basket, something that typically isn't really as much of an issue with him. Uh, but he went five for eight on threes, per, most of those primarily catch and shoot threes. What do you have to think of how he was able to um, manipulate the defense and just from a shooting perspective, um, you know, threat, using that ability of threatening to drive and just pulling up and catching catching and shooting or just shooting over the top of some guy? And uh, what do you think of, you know, his sort of drop off in terms of his production on his drives tonight? Yeah, you know, I think, you know, drive wise, uh, and this was, I feel like, sort of a problem last year with Dinwiddie was he didn't know when to drive. Uh, we saw in the playoffs, oftentimes, he just didn't drive at all. Uh, and, you know, to Spencer, I know he got swatted a few times by Biombo and, of course, by Aiden. Um, but at least he was still continuing to go and he still continued to have the same intensity on offense that he would in those drive scenarios where he got blocked. Um, you know, he really found it. Uh, easy, I guess, on these drives to get to the line. He got to the line six times tonight. I think um, being there, I think he should have gotten to the line a lot more times than that. Um, but he went six to six from the line. And, you know, I think that was really what he was initiating was he was trying to initiate the fouls. I think that's why he kind of made some stupid attempts here and there. Um, but, you know, had they been to the foul line, what do we call him stupid? Yeah, um, no, it seemed like he was baiting quite a bit more so than he usually does. Yeah, but yeah, you know, with that being said, like, was he making dumb drives here and there? Yeah, of course he was. Like, um, I, I feel like there was what one time where he was arguing a call, of course, and it was like a clear block. Um, and he's, I mean, I guess like to translate back to offense, you know, he he had a really good shooting night, five of eight from the three point line, and all of his points came via three point line or free throw shooting. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I feel like he was really just able to create his own offense uh, on the step back and th- or step back threes or he was available for a corner kickout or whatever it was, but Spencer was really key tonight. And, you know, I think at times, of course, he had a little lackluster on offensive production, uh, but he was still able to find some things and get them done. No. Yeah. And I mean, he, even on defense, he was rotating. Well, Yeah, he blocked, um, he blocked that corner three by, um, forgive me. Was it, uh, was it a uh, Damien Lee? Yeah, it was, it was Damien Lee that he blocked yeah. that corner three on. He rotated really well, um, something that he's been, you know, sometimes he doesn't flip his hips on time when he rotates. I mean, that was a, that was a really good block, um, something that I haven't really seen from Spencer at any point in his um, Mavericks tenure, you know, blocking a corner three on a closeout. Um, but even then, like like you said, you know, while the uptick in playmaking and shot creation, shot creation wasn't necessarily there today, and, he, you know, he was having his – some issues in terms of his ability to furbish that more so than he usually does. It was nice to see him still use his catch and shoot abilities um, that, you know, he's really coming to using, like, especially since he, of course, you know, has got with the Mavericks, you know, always been a fairly decent, you know, catch and shoot three point shooter, but with the increased volume of catch and shoot threes that Dinwiddie's taking, um, obviously that's, you know, really been a strong point and that's led to how good he shot this season. And in my opinion, I mean, at least from his own personal anecdotes, that's what, you know, he would tell you because, you know, while he's having to, you know, furbish these step backs and 
what have you know he'll he'll shoot decent on them but that's largely in part to why he was probably a mediocre shooter throughout lots of points in his career so you know to see him have a positive effect on the game um in a game where his playmaking and shot creation wasn't necessarily um you know a strong suit was really cool to see um you know you would have liked to see some better decision making on some of those drives and what have you and you know, you can definitely micro critique some of his uh, the process in terms of offensively and how he played in this game. But at the end of the day, he still had 21 points on a good shooting game. So uh, he was definitely still a large contributor to this game. You know, if you want to iron out a few more guys off the list, um, of course, Dwight. I thought he, you know, he played very typical Dwight basketball. Um, he had two points, both off free throws. Like I said, Aiton, really good drop coverage, big. So he was definitely limiting the lob game between Dwight and Seawood um, when Luca tried, you know, really using that in the high screen and roll. So I think that's why Dwight really didn't get too many opportunities. Um, but nonetheless, um, he, you know, did his job as a spot starter. I forgot to mention Maxi, but he had um, some really decent defensive possessions in this game. He's continued his uptick in shooting two for four from three, three for six from the field. You know, I love the assertiveness I'm seeing from him. Um, yeah. He's going really under the radar, but I mean, he had two blocks tonight. Um, he had a great help side block on Biombo at one point. Um, he's just doing all the things that we're asking him to do. I mean, he's very quietly filling in as a good role player. And I mean, almost nobody on Mavericks Twitter is mentioning him. Uh, do you have any thoughts about how he's been playing recently? Yeah, you know, I Maxi, uh, one possession uh, didn't uh, like he didn't score anything on it, but one possession really like stands out to me and just like the flexibility that this guy has. Uh, and I guess like how much his game has improved. I, I want to say it was like an end of the shot clock scenario at the second quarter. Or third, I think it was third quarter actually. Um, but he pump fake top of the three and like dribbles inside, uh, does like a dribble move and then just takes like a jumper at the top of the key. Um, oh yeah. I, he missed. Yeah, he missed, but um, I don't know. That's just, you know, I don't think that's something that we would see Maxi Kleba do uh, in any of his previous years with the Mavericks. Um, and I think just kind of seeing that, you know, he's, older of course but just seeing that you know i think he's kind of freed up a little bit um and maxi had two blocks tonight i think both of them were at the rim uh one of, i think he should have had three i think one of those foul calls was a little bogus but with that being said you know maxi uh defensively like it, we're, he's doing everything that we ask of him he's like our only rim protector at this moment um and yeah you know def or uh, offensively he's you know available on those sort of kick out threes and not just that, but uh, even the kickout threes that you get the shot in the corner, the defender comes and helps, uh, and you the one more pass type threes, or I forget what you call them, um, but he's available on those wing threes. Uh, we saw him make two Hockey of those assists. tonight. Hockey assists. So, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. We saw him make two of those tonight. Um, and then I don't. I think it was like a dunk or something uh, was his eighth point. Um, yeah, I, I just think Maxi, you know, defensively is – uh, he, like I said, you know, he had two blocks. I'm pretty sure both of them were at the rim. Uh, I think he's just, yeah, I mean, he's like what, what you said, like quietly doing his thing and doing uh, really good. And he's, you know, for a while there, I think he was one of the guys that was downtrending. Uh, and currently, I would consider Maxi one of the better players on the roster at the moment. Oh, yeah, completely. Um, let's look at sort of the Suns' offensive process. You know, we haven't talked too heavily um, in regards to them outside of sort of Devin Booker's game. I thought the Mavericks did a really good job limiting Cameron Payne in this game. You know, we already talked glowingly about 
how Christian Wood sort of stepped up as a rim protector tonight, something we really haven't seen all season, something we likely really can't rely on. But it was nice to see in a sort of one-off scenario how he was um, able to defend the rim against some of these uh, drives by, you know, Bridges at times and Payne. Um, he did a great job playing with verticality, verticality, like I said. And, you know, those guys were um, – they definitely didn't have the best shooting nights. But barring that, I mean, four for 16 for Payne, four for 11 from Bridges. I mean, that that's the game right there, and especially in a game where uh, Booker has a really bad game um, in terms of just not being able to hit shots. Uh, the Suns, three and D wings, and uh, Kogi and Wainwright are more so defense than anything for those guys, um, you know, give or take what you want to um, sort of uh, <laughs> how much you want to like say, oh, the, the three part of that matters. Yeah. Um, but they both knocked in a couple threes. Kogi was one of 18 on three pointers coming into this game. Um, but, you know, of course, he makes a couple versus the Mavericks. Um, Biombo's minutes kind of were, were what he were. Um, you know, seeing Biombo out there really goes to show how much Chris Paul can amplify uh, a rolling big man because <laughs> in, a, in a game where he's not out there, it looks really like uh, it's just another guy out there. Like this is just a extremely, extremely downgraded um, with a wacky jump shot version of DeAndre Ayton um, in terms of their backup center position. Um, Damian Lee he, and Landry Shamit both had good shooting nights, but the process definitely looked kind of weird with them. Josh Green and Damian Lee got into a little scuffle-type deal in that fourth quarter where, you know, it seemed like something may have persisted if they kept going at it. But, you know, garbage time quickly ensued. And, you know, of course, nothing really came out of it. But that was fun, especially after Damian Lee went off against us in that first game of the season. You know, we were all kind of uh, looking to see if there was any smoke there. But, you know, nonetheless, I thought the Mavericks did a good job closing out on all those guys. You know, a, a bulk of their points, I thought, came off those second chance points from the Suns where, you know, they were able to get those tip out rebounds and then, you know, find those guys open for three off scramble situations. Um, you know, in those scenarios, like those are unfortunate in themselves that that, um, you know, you can't really do anything like once you get to those scenarios, but the Mavericks should do a better job applying effort on the glass so where that doesn't happen in the first place because, you know, it, it does seem like largely effort based. Um, Cause you know, you can at least rebound by committee. If you have two bigs out there, yeah. um, even if you don't have one guy that can just kind of bring in all the haymakers and it wasn't even Aiton who was getting all these rebounds. He had um, Deandre Aiton had, he had eight rebounds by himself tonight, but I mean, <coughs> you know, I didn't think even he was like the sole reason it's why the Suns were, you know, kind of, you know, I know that you, they obviously had the same amount of rebounds as the Mavericks, but um, you know, and, and that I they they bared a lot of positive um, regression in terms of the rebounding in the second half, and that's why they, you know, they started to make their little kind of like pseudo comeback. But the Mavericks were kind of quickly able to sweep it under the rug just via their shooting. Um, but they can't rely on that in every single game because had them had Tim, you know, and some other guys not really been making threes like that in that second half, he would knocked in a couple. This could have been a totally different game, but. You know, luckily, that's why uh, the Mavericks were able to kind of put this game away so decisively. Yeah. Um, you know, and of course, we got at the end of garbage time. Kemba Walker was suited up for this game, but he did not play at the end of garbage time. Maybe Kid will throw him in the mix at some point in the next few games. You know, I assume that he's, you know, still trying to get him acclimated. He was practicing with the Legends at one point. 
Um, so, you know, still trying to get him adapt to the system and all that sort of stuff, make sure the leg is okay. Um, but he was suited up. Um, obviously, JaVale McGee is a DNPCD. Um, but we got Jaden Hardy garbage time minutes, which went absolutely oh, absurd yes. in yeah. this game. What did you have to make of Jaden Hardy's uh, garbage time little run there where he went four for five in two minutes, had 10 points? Um, that was scored Reggie Bullock by 10. And I believe, right, let's see, ready book by 25 minutes. So, you know, about uh, almost one thirteenth of the minutes Reggie Bullock had, he outscored him by 10. What do you have to think? You know, obviously that's a, that, uh, <laughs> I, I get that that's not a, you know, sort of a direct fair comparison to Reggie Bullock, but it definitely um, objectively does hold some credence to it that it is kind of sad to an extent, um, no matter how, how you slice it in terms of those guys' roles when they were on the floor. Um, what did you have to think of Jaden Hardy's little spark plug run at the end of garbage time? He he he's adding he added on to, um, you know, kind of what he did the other night in New York. I mean, it's it's just little, it's just garbage time, but he's producing. And you know, Jason Kidd talked about getting this guy more minutes. Now, I don't, I'm not gonna, you know, run off the floor and be like, oh yes, Jason Kidd's the savior. He's about to put Jaden Hardy in all the time because we've seen in two games in a row now he's only played him at the tail end of garbage time when Jason Kidd, who is seemingly petrified of taking his reserves or putting his reserves in, like you, he'll keep his role players in until the very last minute. Um, and, you know, he's, so, you know, we've only seen Hardy get this run at like the tail end of garbage time, of course. And I'm not really holding any credence to the fact that Kidd would actually give him meaningful minutes. Like he kind of hints at in some of these pre and post game pressers. Um, but needless to say, like what it, what do you think Hardy um, was able to do in those, you know, just two minutes that was so intriguing? Yeah, you know, Hardy is a pure scorer, as is. Uh, one thing that kind of really stuck out to me is I feel like Hardy was a shooter coming into the league. Whenever he was drafted, you know, I think he's more so known for his shooting, albeit he didn't shoot a very good clip in the uh, G League Ignite. Um, but I think he was more so known for just his shooting. Uh, in this game, you know, he got all of his points inside the paint minus the two free throws, which he got uh, and one style, um, one of which being like super dramatic. Um, but yeah, and, you know, I, I pretty much called it, you know, this is the icing on the cake. Uh, this was kind of the thing that we thought at the beginning of the season was, you know, you kind of throw in this guy after a blowout, a blowout win. And pretty much he's the guy that, you know, gets the few fans that stayed for the rest of the game uh, up on their feet. And that's pretty much what happened tonight. You know, he had 10 points in two minutes. Um, yeah. I mean, it was really just a spark plug type guy. I think if you put this guy in, if he ever does get a significant, not even a significant role, but if he even has the chance or opportunity to get a role on this team, it would be similar to what Josh green. Um, I think we saw in Josh green, like earlier this season where, He's getting minutes sparingly, but in his minutes, he's more energy-based than anything. Uh, you know, we did see at times rookie moments. Uh, he got blocked from behind. I think it was Damian Lee with a block or something like that, or um, Damian Lee or Landry Shamit. Uh, but, you know, with that being said, I think that's just something that this guy, given reps, is going to get only better at. Um, and I know we have said this tweet after tweet, but for Hardy to hit, you know, future-wise would be just – immensely huge for the Mavericks yeah I mean him and Josh Green in tandem with Luca are essentially the future of this team right which sounds kind of crazy to say because you know a lot of casual NBA fans may not know those last two guys 
may not, you know, put those guys on a silver platter in terms of thinking that any of one of those guys besides Luca can be stars, you know, oh, maybe high end role players at the at the end of the day. But I mean, that still is the young core. And, you know, you have to roll with that and see where it takes you. And, you know, there is some sort of exciting aspect there, you know, I, but barring his decision making, I kind of tweeted this that Hardy is um, I mean, he's NBA ready besides the decision making. I mean, he's proven as much in the G League this year. He looks kind of leaps and bounds better even than he was in summer league, even then, you know, of course that he was with the G league night last year. Um, does that mean that he's ready to, you know, get starter level minutes and all this and that? Like, of course not. Um, but I mean, in my humble opinion, like I think he could hold a role on this Mavericks team actually, like, you know, whether it be just playing off ball, you know, as a shooter, you know, the way he's shooting it right now or getting some primary, ball handling duties i mean even if it's not with the intent to distribute and you know it's with some other creators out there um you know he looked good in some like dho curl off scenarios today um coming downhill uh do you think there's any you know i know obviously mass fans are kind of on the peak hype train peak excitement and you know some you know sort of subjectivity can persist and you know fans will kind of take some narratives with hardy in terms of Oh, you know, he, he he could easily take all of, uh, you know, X, X, and X minutes. Like, you know, sure, they may get a little overarching there. Um, but what do you think? Um, like, is there any credence to the fact that he should be getting actual rotational minutes this year? Yeah, I think I think there's definitely some arguments to be made. Uh, and I mean, then to, to preface, like, we were not in this camp at the beginning of the season. We yeah. – we're in the camp that, you know, I don't know if he's there yet, especially after watching summer league. Um, but so, you're, you know, you're telling me that our, your opinion has since changed on the matter. Oh, without a doubt. I think Hardy has like this sense of, as we like mentioned above, like this spark plug ability um, and not just, you know, I think Josh Green elevates both offensively and defensively as this sort of spark plug guy. And not just that, but he's also elevated past that. I mean, Josh Green has really essentially made him, uh, he's he's become a viable piece in this rotation no uh, for but, sure, for, sure. but for Jaden Hardy you know I think he would essentially become that spark plug type guy where you stick him in nine minutes here and there um and he gives you just pure just emotion um mm-hmm. pure emotion and just pure energy offensively that being I, I think we didn't really no, I, I think much. the defense is more of a mental thing for him though we've yeah, seen a little you know we've seen him improve defensively a little bit in the G League I don't, I don't think we've seen enough to really no yeah not, not nothing to you know but I, i'd say he's at least like an average defender at this point um you know he, we kind of like some people would write him off as a defensive albatross but um you know he's aggressive and i think he's a pretty decent on-ball defender um and you know he has he'll have times where he's decent picking off stuff off ball you know it's just like that ball watching getting lost and you know and not flipping your hips at the wrong time at the right time you know being cognizant of certain switches it's just i feel like more of a mental aspect for him more than anything i don't even know like he has the length and the wingspan and i honestly think he's been doing a fairly decent job in terms of just sticking guys on ball you know i think once he really hones it on the mental aspect is when we'll really see that maturation on the defensive side of the ball yeah without a doubt i you know i didn't i know he had two pretty stupid fouls tonight or at least one of them being pretty stupid um, but nonetheless, I, I just feel like, you know, Jane Hardy in the two minutes that he was allotted, um, I mean, 
I think those may have been the best two minutes by a guy who had only played sparingly uh, NBA minutes. And in those two minutes, I, he looked like a pure professional in, the, in, in those two minutes. Yeah, no, 100%. It was a cool little run by him at the end. And, you know, it was a fun game. We we got Odell Beckham Jr. was there. OBJ. You know, the OBJ chance broke out in the arena. Heisman, um, you know, the Heisman Award candidate max duggan out of tcu was there uh, i got to yeah. i got to meet him too yeah jaron was just a celebrity <laughs> guy so disregard him um but um yeah i mean uh there was it was just a fun night in the aac and it was cool to see the mavericks get a feel-good end-to-end win for one of the only ones this season they of course have a back-to-back and which they will be playing Denver oh, Nuggets oh, late night tip off. Screw you, Jerry. At 9 p.m. <laughs> oh my God. I, I knew the time. I just literally forgot <laughs> it was the Nuggets. This man has it on lock. Um, but yeah, they'll, they'll of course be playing a back to back tomorrow versus the Nuggets at 9 p.m. as Jaron alluded to. And you know, I'm excited for that game. It was good to see the starters get some rest. Um, none of them played above 30 minutes. Luke at the high end with 29. Yeah, that was the third time that he has played under 30 minutes and the second game in the Yeah. Row. No, I mean, you keep Bullock and Hardaway Jr. No, not Bullock. You keep Finney Smith and Hardaway <laughs> Jr. at 23. Uh, Spencer only played 28. You know, the Mavericks should be healthy enough to come out, come out and, you know, sort of fire on this uh, second game versus Denver. You know, Josh Green was the Full high man tonight with um, 31 minutes, but he's young. He'll, he, he should be okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's exciting because, you know, you feel like you don't sacrifice too much and the Mavericks really need to start rattling off wins um, because if they're going to be in this sort of perpetual mediocrity, um, well, you know, it, it'd be nice to at least win as much as we can because it doesn't really ever seem like we're going to be in a position to tank. So, um, <laughs> but it, it was a fun, feel-good win. Um, obviously, you know, we'll say this after any sort of game where the fan base is up in arms, you know, the Mavericks holes on this team are not patched there. This is not the cure all or anything like that. Um, but it was, it was a really fun win to say the least in a, in a much needed win in this fashion, especially if with the sheer amount of clutch games we've been playing recently. Um, do you have any other thoughts on the game, Jaren? Yeah. You know, I, I guess that's a little disclaimer, you know, none of the patches are healed or uh, even remotely healed for that sense. But I think the Mavericks did an amazing job of, you know, the, the guys given, uh, on the floor, I think that uh, they played really well. I think Tim Hardaway is coming into his own. Hopefully, hopefully, um, I, don't, I don't think he'll. That shoot, would be a huge you know, fix for this team. For no, that'd be amazing. And just in terms um, of asset management, if you know trades are going to come into fruition at any time. Yeah, you know, I, I, it seems like as soon as Hardaway touches the starting lineup, he just becomes a, a NBA All Star all of a sudden. Um, but yeah, you know, just a, a really good all around. Um, tip off to finish win for the Mavericks and one that was, I, I mean, much needed. So, no, yes. And I mean, um, there's so many stuff that you could take away from this game. We seemingly probably didn't even get into all of it, but I mean, it was a really fun win regardless. And we're excited to be back tomorrow after the Denver game. Um, we really appreciate you guys. If you listen this far on the podcast, make sure to follow us on Twitter at mainstream underscore Mavs. Subscribe and like us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. We are available on almost all platforms give us a five-star rating if you so please if you really enjoy it and like i said thank you for listening this far in we will catch you guys tomorrow night after denver and we were and um excited to say the least after a fun game versus the suns